it is our joy to be here this morning. I've had the privilege of, of talking with just a, f- a few of you, and um, wow, how kind of the Lord to give us relationships uh, with, with one another. Um, if you've had this experience, may- maybe you have, where you've, um, you've traveled to a place that you don't know, uh, meaning you don't know people there. And, uh, but as you interact with brothers and sisters in Christ, you realize, wow, there, there is a, there's a bond here that, that we enjoy as brothers and sisters. It's really sweet. And so uh, that, that exists here this morning. And so uh, I'm grateful to be here, uh, grateful for the privilege to be in this place under these circumstances. And uh, as the Lord in his good providence would have us be together this morning. In preparation, I've been praying not only for my own heart this morning, but, but for the people here, the saints at Cross Point Community Church. I'm grateful for you, grateful for uh, the proclamation of the gospel, and uh, that this morning our, our hearts would be stirred up, that our affection for the Lord would, would be great, that our faith would be strengthened. And uh, this morning, I, I have the privilege and the responsibility to kind of bring to a, to a close this sermon on the plane that you've been working through here at Crosspoint uh, in, in Luke chapter 6. And so if you, if you have your Bible, you can, you can take it out and turn to Luke chapter 6. We're going to read um, the, the end of that chapter together here in just a few moments. No doubt, as we, as we read through the Gospels, and, and come to this particular section, Luke chapter 6. As we read through the, the teachings of our Lord there, our hearts are both challenged challenged and comforted. We're, we're challenged by, by the instruction given here. And uh, we're challenged by the distri- description that our Lord gives us of citizenship in the kingdom. He helps us understand this is what life in the kingdom of God looks like and we're we're challenged by this. We're challenged as we're, as we're confronted with our own sins and our own failures. And at the same time, we're comforted. We're comforted that we have a Savior who promises to bless His own. And we're comforted that we have a merciful Heavenly Father and that we may have assurance of life in Him. And so, in this portion of Scripture, we, we are both challenged and comforted. It's just what we see throughout Scripture. God's Word, it, it wounds and it, and it heals. As we consider this, this sermon of our Lord, one of the things we recognize is, is that Jesus teaches through illustrations and pictures, something he did frequently in his ministry. Jesus used illustrations that were familiar to the people to whom he ministered. We can, we can hear our Lord saying things like, look at the birds of the air. Or consider the lilies of the field. We hear him saying things like, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, these illustrations were familiar to the people to whom Christ ministered. And so uh, in the verses we're going to read this morning, we see our Lord using illustrations again to teach us. And what he's teaching us is, is primarily about two kinds of people. Two kinds of people. In, the, in this first section we're going to read, uh, we're, we're going to see the good person and the evil person made evident by the fruit of their lives 
specifically the words that they speak. And then in the final section, as the sermon comes to a close, we're going to see two people illustrated again. The obedient disciple and the disobedient disciple made evident by their response to the teaching of the Lord. Each of these sections then prompts us to ask some questions of ourselves, some, we, we might say, some introspective questions. Questions like this What kind of fruit is being produced in my life? Or what does the fruit of my life reveal about the condition of my heart? What does the fruit of my life reveal about the condition of my heart? And then as the sermon comes to a close, we're prompted to ask the question, what kind of house am I building? Am I obeying the teachings of the Lord? And so with these questions in mind, let's read together Luke chapter 6. I'm going to read uh, beginning in verse 43 and read through the end of the chapter. Luke 6, verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We pray that you would give us hearts that are open, hearts that are eager to receive your truth. Be our teacher this morning. Make us more like Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. The heart is always the concern throughout Scripture, it, it's what's going on internally that is of greatest importance. And here we learn what is going on internally is revealed by the fruit that's produced in a person's life. And as, as we begin here, what, what we want to do is, is spend just a little bit of time trying to understand, making sure we understand this illustration that the Lord is using. This, this illustration of trees. He says, no good tree produces bad fruit, nor does a bad tree produce good fruit. As we consider where we are, we're, we're, we're far removed from those who first heard these words of the Lord. Right? We're removed by years, right? some 2,000 years, and, and we're, a, we're a vastly different culture than the culture that these people experienced. And at the same time, this is an illustration that we can understand here. If, if we were to approach a tree and we were to, to examine the fruit on this tree and, and find that the, the fruit was bad, corrupt, we, we would make a conclusion about the tree that there's a problem with the tree. The, the tree itself is diseased. There's some defect in the tree. We understand this. On the other hand, if we were to approach the tree and find that that tree 
or, or the fruit on that tree was good. We would conclude that the tree itself is good. The tree is healthy. This is a picture that we can understand. And so maybe a way to summarize this is just to simply say the fruit of the tree reveals the condition of the tree. The fruit, the condition of the fruit reveals the condition of the tree. This is the first picture our Lord gives us. The second one has to do with fruit and thorns. Basically, if a, if a person is, is looking for fruit, for looking for figs or, or for grapes, he wouldn't go to a thorn bush. And the reason is, is because a thorn bush doesn't produce grapes or figs. It produces thorns. And so with this, with the, an understanding of this illustration in mind, now let's ask the question, well, uh, how does Jesus apply this illustration? In other words, what's the purpose of this? Jesus gives these illustrations to help us make an accurate diagnosis of the heart. Remember, the heart is the focus. And so here's a picture to help us understand the condition of a person's heart. When we think about the heart, the heart, the heart is a word to speak of, of the whole person. We, we may hear words from, from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 4, 23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it, that is from the heart, flows the spring of life the thoughts and the words and the actions that that come out in our life they flow from the heart when we think about the heart it's it's good for us the heart is the whole person it's good for us to consider these these various aspects of the heart we can we can think of three aspects that that make up our being there's there's the cognitive aspect the thinking right cognition and there's affection how we feel and then there's volition, what we do. Right? This, is, this is the whole person. This is, this is all summarized in the heart, our thinking, our feeling, and our doing. This is the whole person. And so these illustrations of, of the tree and fruit help us to accurately diagnose the condition of the heart, that is, the condition of the whole person. Please look with me at verse 45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil so let's draw the connection here what, what's going on in this teaching like trees that produce good fruit or bad fruit so the person right? good tree good fruit good tree good fruit good person good fruit good tree Good fruit, good person, good heart. What our Lord is teaching us here is that the fruit of our lives reveals the condition of our heart. The principle may be something like this. If you want to know who, we, who you truly are, consider the, word, consider the fruit of your life. And here, specifically, our Lord says the words that come spilling out of our mouth. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. The words that we speak reveal the con condition of our heart. Several years ago, I, I remember um, hearing this principle being illustrated. The, the teacher stood before uh, the audience, and he, and he took a bottle of water and unscrewed the cap from that bottle, and then he shook it like this. And, and water, of course, spills out of the bottle onto the floor, and he asks, 
why did water spill out onto the floor? And the response is, or was, because you shook the bottle. And while that's true, that, that's not the answer he was looking for. The answer he was looking for is water spilled out onto, the, out onto the floor because water is what was inside the bottle. It was an illustration to help us understand that when, when we are shaken, right, what's inside comes out. This is what our Lord is teaching us here. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We remember the context here of the Sermon on the Plain. The disciples, after being, being challenged to consider, they were being challenged to consider whom they were following. Right? Remember the picture of the, the blind leading the blind? Jesus says a, a, a student becomes like his teacher. Who are you following? After being challenged to, to ask uh, who you're following, they're, they're, now, they're now being challenged to examine themselves, to, to examine the fruit in their lives. We see in, in Matthew's account, Matthew's Sermon on the Mount, he, he says that uh, false teachers will be known by their fruit. He says, by your fruit, by their fruit, they will be known. But here it seems that, that self-examination uh, is, is in mind for the followers of Christ. As we think about this, the, the bridge that needs to be built from those, those who first heard the words of our Lord to the present day, it's a relatively easy bridge to build. Right? In the same way that they were challenged to examine the fruit in their own lives, so for us today, does the fruit of my life, do the words that I speak give evidence? Does it give, do they give evidence of a heart that's been transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ? And so we're right to ask, well, what, what, what kind of fruit, what kind of fruit does the true disciple of Christ produce? What does fruit bearing look like in the life of a follower of Christ? Well, we could look back just a few verses in this sermon, right? In Luke chapter 6, we could, just, we could look through here and we could start to see that, that fruit bearing looks like loving our enemies. It looks like doing good to those who hate us. It looks like blessing those who curse us. Praying for those who mistreat us. We need to stop here and acknowledge this is very unnatural. Love our enemies. Bless those who curse us. Pray for those who mistreat us. This is unnatural. This kind of fruit is only possible when the spirit of the living God is, is at work in a person's heart. When the spirit of God has transformed the heart. Good fruit looks like refusing to be harsh and critical in our judgment of others. It looks like forgiving and being generous and being merciful. We could go on to, to Galatians. There we see the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the fruit that's produced in the life of a follower of Christ. The, the, the point in all of this is to say uh, those whose heart has been transformed by the sovereign God act differently. We think differently. We speak differently. We produce good fruit. Those who bear good fruit give evidence that their lives have indeed been transformed and that their faith is genuine. 
The fruit is good because the heart has been changed. It's essential that we get this right. A person doesn't take up a list of of good fruits and and then give himself to producing those fruits with the hope that he will make himself acceptable to God. This is the error of every works-based system of religion. It's contrary to the gospel. The gospel is a message of grace. The gospel says that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. The fruit of one's life is an overflow of the heart, and and the only way for a person to produce good fruit is to have a heart that's been changed, a heart that's been transformed. I think of the words of the writer of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is is a beautiful book. It shows us how the whole scripture fits together as the, the writer reaches back and he, he pulls these Old Testament images, right? the sacrificial system, and he, he pulls them into the present and shows how Christ is the fulfillment with a view to the future. It's a beautiful book. And in Hebrews chapter 8, the writer of, of the book of Hebrews talks about the new covenant, this covenant that Christ institutes. Listen to the words he says. He says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. Here it is. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. This is the new covenant promise. God writes his law on our hearts. And so our Lord says here, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. One who professes faith in Christ and yet bears no fruit has no reason to believe that his faith is genuine. Our our response to these, these words here in Luke's gospel may well be an indication of what's going on in our own heart. A good heart, a heart that's been changed, a a renewed heart will respond by giving thanks to the Lord for the fruit in his life. Lord, thank you for the work you're doing. And at the same time, this this heart, the good heart, sees, sees failure, sees the need for growth, and cries out to God, oh God, help me. Help me grow. Help me to produce the fruit that I would desire. The evil heart, on the other hand, hears these words and and immediately begins to think of others who who really need to hear this message. We know how this goes. I really hope so-and-so is here this morning because she's got some work to do. Be careful. Be careful. This is the person with the beam of wood in his eye. The one that is is condemned as a hypocrite. This is bad. This is corrupt fruit. The good heart, the heart that's been transformed, acknowledges the sin in his or her life and repents. We hear the words that we've spoken over the past week 
We praise God for the change he's bringing about in our lives, and yet we see, Lord, there is work to do. This is the good heart. So the good heart acknowledges his sin, but he doesn't stop there. The the good heart continues and runs to the Savior, the one who bore his sin debt in full, and then believes. Believes that God is who he says he is, who has revealed himself to to be. And then this person can say with the psalmist, as in Psalm 130, for with the Lord there is steadfast love and with him is plentiful redemption. God is kind. He's merciful. And so the question we could ask this morning is, what does the fruit of my life reveal about the condition of my heart? As, as this Sermon on the Plain kind of come, comes to an end here, having addressed the heart, the spiritual condition of the person made evident by the fruit, the question that now needs to be asked is, will I obey the words of the Lord Jesus Christ? What kind of house am I building? This is a question of, of greatest importance. In fact, the question of how we will respond to the teaching of Jesus is the most significant question we will ever ask. Why? Because eternity is in the balance. The teaching of the whole Sermon on the Plain comes to an end and leaves us to ask this question, will I obey Jesus? Again, Jesus uses an illustration to help us understand the principle he's teaching here. This time, the the, the illustration is that of two houses. Let's look at each of them. The first house is a picture of a person who, who comes to Jesus, hears his words, and does them. He comes, he hears, and he does Throughout Jesus' ministry, there were, there were many who followed him. Right? The crowds were, were following after him. And yet, they didn't stay with him. They walked away and, and thus proved that they weren't his disciples. One example will be sufficient from John chapter 6. There in John chapter 6, Jesus had just taught that he himself is the bread of life. And he says, if you, if you eat my flesh and, and drink my blood, which is strange language, but by those words he means, if you believe in me, if you believe in me, you will have eternal life. And in John 6 and, and, and verse 60, we read, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And then just a few verses later, it says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Here in Luke, Jesus is teaching that the person who comes to him, who hears his words and does them, is like a person who builds a house. But it's, it's not just any old house that this person is building. It's one that is built on a good and sure foundation. The the text could be translated literally like this, who dug and and dug deeper or went down deep and laid a foundation. This is a picture of a genuine disciple. He comes, he hears, and he does. It's, It's not the one who offers mere lip service, 
calling Jesus Lord, Lord, and not doing what he says. No, no. This is a person who's committed to him. He's a committed disciple, the one who builds his house on the foundation. And this person can be confident then that he will withstand the storms because the house has been built on the foundation of Christ. The application is clear for us. Those who build their lives on Christ can be confident. We can be confident that we will withstand the storms not only of this life, but the storm of judgment that is to come. There is assurance for the follower of Christ. There's assurance for us. This is good news for the believer. It's not a stretch to say that that we as people are are looking for assurance. We're looking for for something where we can put our feet on. We want to be confident. We want to know we've made good decisions. We want to be confident that the, the products that we buy are going to do what they say they're going to do. We want to be, be sure that in businesses, we, in our businesses, we have, we have uh, computers and software and tools and equipment that will guarantee our success. We want to be confident about our, uh, that we will make a good return on the investments that we make. We want to be assured that our children will, will grow up and love the Lord and, and, be steer, and steer clear of, of trouble. We, we want to be sure that, that everything is going to be okay. But the reality is, the reality is there are many, many uncertainties in this life. Very few things that offer any sort of assurance. Certainly the past few months have made this abundantly plain to us. But here, here is assurance for the believer When we watch everything around us change, there is truth that is unchanging. Those who build their life on the foundation of Christ will never be destroyed. Not by the troubles of this life. Not by the judgment that is to come. In Christ, we have assurance. In Jesus, we have hope. Jesus, the suffering servant, the suffering servant who carried our sorrows and bore our sins. Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus, our advocate. 1 John 2.1 calls Jesus our advocate. He pleads our cause when we sin. Here is hope for the believer. Jesus, the Redeemer who rescues sinners from destruction. Jesus, the Prince of Peace who reconciles us to God. He restores us to a right relationship with the Father. Jesus, the cornerstone, immovable, unshakable. Jesus, the Good Shepherd who calls His own. He calls the weary to come to Him. Rest, Jesus, the faithful and true one who promises never to leave and never to forsake his own. Jesus, the righteous judge who will award to his own on the final day the crown of righteousness. The unspeakable beauty and glory of Jesus. Build your life on him. Follow Christ in humble obedience. Abide in Him and demonstrate that you are truly His disciple. This is the picture, the first house, a picture of the true disciple. He comes, He hears, and He does. He obeys. 
the second house, by contrast, is a picture of a person who hears the words of the Lord but doesn't do them. How, how many people hear the words of the Lord week after week, year after year? People sit in churches, hear the word of the Lord, but don't obey. They don't obey the Lord's command to repent, that is to turn, to turn from sin and believe the gospel. They don't heed the command. How sad for the person who calls Jesus Lord, Lord, but does not obey. This is the disobedient disciple. He's not a true disciple at all. We read in Matthew that on the final day, that is the day of judgment, many who've called Jesus Lord, Lord, will hear the dreadful words, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. The one who hears the words of the Lord and does not obey is like a man who built a house without a foundation. It's not necessary for a person to have a degree in construction to understand what's going on here. A house built without a foundation is sure to fall. We see this in verse 49. Look carefully at the end of that verse. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. This is a description of a person. And, it sh- and so it should have our attention here. It's a sobering picture. We've likely all seen the heart-wrenching footage of, of houses that are swept, al- swept off their foundation by the flood. It's devastating to watch. And here Luke tells us that, that this house the one not built on the foundation, it falls immediately. And, and the ruin of the house is great. It's a complete loss. Remember the context again. The Lord has warned his hearers about those who are rich and full and satisfied with this life. I have all that I need here with my stuff. He's warned about that. And he's warned about the censorious kind of critical judgment of others. He's warned about the smug self-righteousness that hypocritically points out the little flaws in others' lives while neglecting to take care of the sin in his, in his own life. He's warned about trees that bear bad fruit. And, and he's warned about those who call him Lord, Lord, but don't obey. And now through the illustration here of a house built without a foundation that's swept away by the flood, we learn that the end for this kind of person is destruction. A person may think of himself as religious, a follower of Jesus, but the fruit of of the person's life reveals something different. The person is, is subject to the judgment of the Lord. The judgment described in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. The sermon on the plain ends 
with a sobering word of warning. Those who don't build their spiritual house on the foundation of Christ, that is, those who do not obey his word, those who do not obey his command to repent and and believe the gospel, will not stand in the judgment. If the worship team wants to to come up, just a a few words as we close. The the call for us this morning, the call for us is to ask, what, what kind of house am I building? Is my house built on the shifting sand of, of self-righteous religion that will one day be completely destroyed? Or, or is my house built on the sure and steady foundation of Christ through belief in his glorious gospel? May our great God give us grace to build our house on him. Lord, we thank you for your goodness this morning. Thank you that in Christ and in Christ alone we have hope as people who have been transformed by your great power. We have hope. We have hope because we serve a risen Savior who has made a way for us to be reconciled to you. And so will you help us this week to live live out lives that have been changed by you. We want to bring honor and glory to your great name. Thank you in Christ's name. Amen.